You're listening to Once, episode 117, Good Form. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We're so happy to have you joining us for this episode as we discuss good form. I just feel like I have to say it with a British accent. Ugh, you and Emma. (laughs) (laughs) Might. Yeah, there there was quite a bit of joking on Hook's accent in this episode. (laughs) But a fantastic episode. And some great stuff to talk about from this. So let's get into this. And it starts out in this past somewhere. We don't quite know where this is. They're on the sea. That's where they are. But I would say it's not our world. For sure it's not our world. Because they were at least somewhat familiar with magic. And magic worked. They had the Pegasus. They knew about the Pegasus. They had Pegasus feathers. Well, they, yeah, they didn't have the Pegasus. Right. I meant they had parts of the Pegasus. They, yeah, of the- they knew about Neverland, and they somehow even knew about Dreamshade and had a drawing of it. It's not like it was all well-known, but it didn't seem quite as shocking as you would imagine, which is kind of what I was saying should be the case if it's not our world. Yeah, and we don't know about this war that's being fought, whether it's a war on the sea or Mm -hmm. a war on the land. Well, that's what I was going to ask, is if what time period this would be if it were our world, and what war that would then indicate. Well, here's a great suggestion that came in from Hunter. In this episode, it is constantly mentioned that the Jones brothers were under the employ of a king in the middle of a war. Now, if this is an ogre war... It may be the same ogre war that not only Rumpelstiltskin was drafted for, but the one that Balefire would have been drafted for down the line. This means that Killian may have been may have played a hand in the creation of his own worst enemy, Rumpelstiltskin. Um, because the king could have used the poison to defeat the ogres, and if the king used the poison to defeat the ogres, Rumpelstiltskin might not have been drafted. But do you really think that would be a race that he would be concerned with annihilating? It could be, yeah. The ogres, every time we hear about the ogres, they're a bad thing. The ogres have returned. That's what Snow said about present-day Enchanted Forest, mm-hmm. is the ogres have returned. So there's something bad. Yes. I mean, we've seen an ogre already. We know So then why would are. he be so concerned with using Nightshade against them? Because they are other beings. And mm. Hook, or, well, at that time, Killian, <laughs> is concerned about fighting fair with I his I think enemies. this is a war against men. I think so, too. Mm. I like the idea of it being the Ogre's War. But he did say, he did say that if they did take it to their king, then they would risk not only winning a war, but losing an entire race. So you could could take that to mean Ogre's. Mm-hmm. And this would be about the same time period as well. Maybe he wasn't a ogre hugger. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but maybe he just wasn't <laughs> that heartless. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he just never seemed to strike me even during this episode as being quite that uh save everything. But I think this does look like probably many years before the first time we meet or several years before the first time that we meet the crocodile. So this could easily be, you know, be a little bit before Bay was born. Doxon makes a good point in the chat room. It says ogres were using ships. They well, were being pursued and fired upon. Yeah, that's true. Don't see the ogres doing that. Yeah, by Corvette ships, which were French ships, right? But that doesn't Maybe. necessarily mean the French were chasing them. But yeah, it could be that the ogres were using ships. Or maybe, yeah, this is another word. That that does give That's evidence unlikely. to the human side of this fight. But it's around the time. Maybe it's a world war. So the ogres are aligned with certain humans and fighting this war. Anyway, let's move on from that. And one of the things that we learn from this is Killian's brother, Liam, and both of them served in this army. That, By the way, the insignia... I did some research on it and couldn't really find anything on what that insignia might represent, but we've got it in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 117 if you want to do some of your own research on if there's anything similar to that insignia and let us know what you think. You mentioned that his brother's name is Liam. You you know what I thought it was going to be? What? Davey. (laughs) Davey Jones. I think that's what his dad's name is. But he's the son of Davy Jones. Really? Yeah, or they are the sons of Davy Jones. I wonder who his mother is, the C. Because from this episode... <laughs> <I'm a mermaid. laughs> from this episode, we did hear it rehashed in some way, I think, or I might be mixing things up, but we've learned that they lost their father. Hook had told Balefire that he lost his father hmm. at, uh, in a different episode. So it's possible that... Maybe uh, maybe he was the Davy Jones that we know. I wonder where he keeps his locker. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's inside the sextant. Or, uh, by the way, on that sextant was a Pegasus. <laughs> I thought that was very fitting. I made note of that. Yeah? I thought it was fitting. In what way? Because they were sailing on a ship that has a... A sail made out of Pegasus feathers. They go together. They do go together. It's all for flying. (laughs) It's pretty clever, for sure. We got this message in from David saying, this is just an observation. (laughs) But I think that the magical sail Killian and his brother used to fly to Neverland is maybe a nod that way that we may be visiting the world of Olympus soon. We all know who lives there. Oh, Okay, thanks. Well, yeah, the Pegasus makes me think of Hercules. (laughs) Yeah, Pegasus is, again, another thing from Greek mythology. Add this to the growing list of Greek mythology they're bringing into this, like Midas and the the Siren, and I'm forgetting some of the other things, but our fans out there know what we're talking about. All of these things that have been Greek mythology things that they're bringing here into Once Upon a Time. By the way... Did they say that they got the feathers from just one Pegasus? They said... Was the it sounded like it might have been the last Pegasus? That's what I was going to ask. The last feathers. Why is always the last of everything? Is this why Henry needs to bring magic back? It's like the last (laughs) Pegasus, the last enchanted tree, 
who knows what else the last i can't remember well, that any was others. a big sale it was yeah. well, a lot of feathers to go this, on one pegasus this could fit with david's <laughs> theory here he says i think they may have gotten the feathers from hercules pet pegasus killian's brother also explained that it was the last one in existence this may also be a ticket off the island for our neverland adventures somehow so is it possible that the pegasus still exists well, you know what they say, if wishes were horses, so maybe Henry can wish for a Pegasus, and then they can all fly away. Uh-huh. So when they get to Neverland, the first person who's there is Pan. And Pan said he's the only one. And he seemed kind of lonely when he said that. Do you get that vibe from him? No, I didn't think he was lonely. He pretty much called himself the king of the island. Well, he said Neverland has no kings. It's just him. Yeah. Oh, you're saying like no kings except me kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. I don't think he was lonely because he wasn't like dying to spend time with them. (laughs) Can I come with you? (laughs) Yeah. I think he enjoys playing with kids his own age. Yeah. Maybe he was just eager for the night and that wasn't old yet. It does make me wonder if he's truly the only one, like even the mermaids. Did he bring the mermaids to Neverland? So was Neverland this place where he was banished in some way? I don't think that was implied. Well, he did say I'm the only Uh, one. The topic was rulers. Yeah. I think... Um, he's the only boy on the island. Okay. The only person on the island. Yeah, it it could go different ways. And mermaids aren't on the island. They're under it and around it (laughs) in the water. Yeah, true. Well, when they showed the picture of Dreamshade to Pan, I, of course, grabbed a screenshot of it and we'll have this in the show notes. But it has some text on it, which to me, I couldn't translate this with my vast knowledge of translate.google.com. And I couldn't figure out quite what this meant, but it is a catalog. It's a drawing, and it looks like a scientific drawing. It's a drawing of the roots as well as the leaves and the thorns. And it's labeled with numbers, some kind of name. It's at 478 Somnumbra Atra. And below that, it says uh, Rosary V1 Rubrus. And then in the lower left corner, there's a Roman numeral for eight and the letter A. So it's it seems like it's some from some catalog of plants. And how did they get that? How did they get these star charts that brought them to this place in the first place? They wherever they're coming from, they're familiar with magic. And or at least the king is. Yeah. So who is this king? What how, is King George? <laughs> he would do something like that. He would want to wipe out an entire army with Dream Shade. Maybe it was King George. Yeah, but he, he... None of his soldiers wore uniforms like these men did. Now, of course, yes, these men are sailors, not foot soldiers. So uniforms would be different. But I think this could be a different kingdom completely. And a kingdom that somehow has learned about these things through some kind of spies, because Dreamshade doesn't grow in any of the other lands, we assume. So someone must have come back from Neverland 
and knew the name of it or someone it's you know a different a bunch of different ways we can dig into that and try and figure it out but did you think that pan implied that they were lost and unloved when he said you look lost perhaps maybe he can sense um orphans because both of them are orphans their dad died and we don't know about their mom maybe he knew they were orphans Mm -hmm. he kind of looked at hook in a almost knowing way if pan can see the future that would make sense because he can look at hook and know you're going to be working for me someday (laughs) yeah or maybe it was just that kind of... We're going to be chums. <laughs> maybe it was just the kind <laughs> of look of... I'm going to trick you, you soon. So as they decide to descend, ascend this mountain, then they find the dream shade. We learn about these waters that are a little bit lost-esque in it's some ways. It's a spring. Mm-hmm. Which it didn't look like a spring. It looked like a little waterfall. And they said... Pan said the waters are rich with the powers of Neverland. So it's not that the water powers Neverland, but the water has Neverland's power in it. And it keeps everything young and it can heal or cure any kind of sickness, any kind of injury. I wonder if that water is what has been keeping pan so young the whole time because he's just constantly drinking it but then again he can leave neverland maybe because that's because he can control the magic pan had said that the magic has a price to it and he said all magic comes with a price and that water is no exception and so the water's healing powers are magical even though it's healing regular infections diseases illnesses, injuries, that kind of stuff. Do you really think the cost is that whoever drinks it will die if they leave Neverland? Do you think that is really the cost or was that Peter Pan's cost? I think that it has no power if they leave the island. So I think the lost boys would be missing fingers or get old and die. Hmm. No, not get old and die because we've seen people that are very old leave Neverland and not well age but did they drink the water well did they drink the kool-aid <laughs> but he said it's what keeps everything on the island so young yeah but Implying... then but then why wouldn't david have been healed just by drinking water while they were there maybe it has to be the spring yeah that's one thing like a direct source not just in a mix from somewhere else but like this spring this is one specific Mm. spring that you can't access from anywhere on the island that's why they had to go to that spot i like that you mentioned that uh the lost boys probably grew their fingers back because of this water (laughs) i hadn't thought of that that's good yeah pan did mention in a couple episodes ago something about some lost boy had lost a few fingers Mm -hmm. so they can never grew them back though yeah but it he um it was past tense as if you know, the boys were now gone, or the boys did not have any missing fingers anymore. We killed him. It was a lot of fun. We all had a lot of fun. Wasn't it exhilarating? <laughs> the The last thing I wanted to mention about this mountaintop experience for them oh is sharing some feedback about the water from Julia. Julia wrote in saying, The most well-known 
fountain of youth, in my opinion, is in Pirates of the Caribbean 4, or Caribbean. In this rendition, when one reaches the fountain of youth, two must simultaneously drink from a goblet, one which contains the tear of a mermaid and the waters from the fountain. The other person drinks only the water from the fountain and will die, kind of like the Cora candle. I don't believe that Charming will allow anyone to sacrifice his or her life for his own. However, I do believe the mermaid tier will be the key to making it possible for Charming to leave the island. It is how they will come across it that will make it fun and interesting. Hmm, That's interesting. I love that connection. (laughs) Back to the mermaids. And possibly if we get to see Ariel. Crying mermaids. Then maybe a potential feature for Ariel, the crying (laughs) redheaded mermaid. (laughs) So the water temporarily healed Liam. And Hook was clearly unfamiliar with the cost of magic. But he didn't get to see that until the ship flies back to whatever land it came from. Now, the reason I say that it wouldn't, by the way kill anyone who drank it when they leave it's because when liam died you could see the nightshade dream shade whatever on his neck you could yeah Mm -hmm. so it returned it did what it healed him from he was no longer healed from when he left it wasn't just that he died i caught that too i was i was so distracted looking at stuff in the room (laughs) (laughs) and just like taking in the experience of oh yeah he died he paid the price yeah, I didn't I didn't catch that. So it it was the dream shade coming back. Right. And of course it'd be the same for David, but if you oh, were yeah. healed of something else, it you would just lose that. Yeah. Okay. Presumably. You know, Pan made it kind of clear. Uh, well, actually, he made it kind of muddy when he said it. <laughs> Basically, he said um don't leave this island until you're willing to pay the price. Yeah. So in hindsight, yes, that made perfect sense, but as Hook was approaching the waterfall, then he just... I I'm, i could see how he assumed, all right, fine, I'll pay you anything. Just let me heal my brother really quick. Mm-hmm. And then he vanished. So maybe as they were leaving, they were saying, well, I was willing, but he didn't show up, so guess we don't have to pay. <laughs> so right, I, could, right. I could see how that was easily mistaken. Well, we've seen that before, too, of people saying, yes, I'll pay the price, and not asking what the price was. Yeah. yeah. Ashley... <laughs> Did that? She just signed the contract, didn't even read it, didn't know what Rumpelstiltskin's price was until way too late. And um, I can't think of some of the others, though. But yeah, they, they well, even um, Ashley's husband, uh, Prince Thomas, said that whatever price there would be to the magic of using the squid ink or the quill back then <laughs> he would pay it but he had no idea what that price would be yeah and we've seen that many times of people, desperation yes desperate souls <laughs> comes back to that <laughs> but it was cool to see the ship flying it was mm-hmm. you know while i was watching the ship go higher and higher and then went into the clouds i was thinking I would be so afraid on that ship. Like if it turned, if it just tipped over and it would dump everybody out. So I would, I would probably be hiding in the hull of the ship, just I would <laughs> expecting be, to be landing on the ceiling at any moment. I would be having such a hard time breathing and not freezing to death <laughs> because there, I don't think the Pegasus was putting a bubble around the ship. Maybe it was, it's like a little 
air bubble. <laughs> it doesn't just fly. It protects. Maybe. It could be. We'll go with that. But then again, this it was is summer. This is like, all magic. Yeah. It looked like it was summer too. I guess that height it would be well, chilly. The whole freezing thing is going into space. Second yeah. star to the right, that whole thing. Oh, right. Yeah. Got it. Yes. Space. Not only can people not hear you scream, no <laughs> one can hear you scream in space, but also it's a place where you freeze your toes off. But are they really going into space? <laughs> that was the rejected line for the, one of the alien movie sequels. <laughs> well, wow. that, yeah. They used a star chart. They did use a star chart, the and shadow. maybe they just needed to go towards uh, second star on the right the to get to the portal. Oh yeah, because maybe. maybe the there's a portal in the sky that that is in the sky, like around <laughs> the second star to the right, but not so in space. You're saying basically <laughs> to get to the island, they have to follow specific coordinates exactly, or else they'll miss the island. I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> the shadow always flies Lost. straight toward the star, and then the star kind of flashes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The shadow could, Express or whatever we. I call think it that portal days. idea is a good one. Instead of going through space, it's this is you go that direction, not necessarily that's where it's it a is. Teeny tiny little portal. Yeah. The size of a distant star. <laughs> so, so, however it works, it works. Liam died from the nightshade. And dream shade. You guys keep calling it nightshade. Why do we do that? Because I, I'm. Because your minds are poisoned. I'm confusing (laughs) Nightlock from uh, Hunger Games Games and Dreamshade. So it's coming out Nightshade. But on the ship, after they uh, release Liam into the sea, Killian has this rallying speech Mm -hmm. then when he's basically saying, hang the code and hang the rules. We're pirates. We're going to live by our own rules. And be men of honor because at least there's honor among thieves he had a good he had a good reason for like his reason for becoming a pirate was honorable because he no longer thought his king was honorable and it reminds me of snow white oh yeah because she um she was falsely accused and she became a thief she was stealing her own stuff but (laughs) she became a thief I think there is a little bit of difference because... I mean, there is a difference, but it's similar. Yeah, she stole to survive. She did. Mm-hmm. And Hook said, we'll take what we want, which yeah. is not an honorable thing. That's it's, a that's a crime. That's stealing. It is. But his reasons were honorable. At first. To me, it was the shakiest part of the whole episode because he starts out nobly proclaiming that they are not going to follow the orders of a king that would cause them to do such an evil thing. And he's like, so now what we're going to do, we're going to be pirates. We're going to take what we want. And we know the rest of what he became, you know, taking other men's wives and yeah. doing all these murderous things. I mean, I suppose there's a journey there. Yeah. Agreed. But he sounded pretty far over the edge already. It's like, did you just work yourself into a frenzy and forget all the moral high ground you started the conversation on? Mm. Yeah. Well, even at the beginning, you know, flashback to the beginning of their journey, he called this a hero's quest, and that that is good form. That's where the whole title came from, good form. Well, I mean, they probably worked it in, but that uh, a, her- a hero's journey, this is indeed good form, is what he said. 
So right. and drinking rum leads to bad form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he lost all good form. But his initial intentions were honorable. Mm-hmm. Initial. But it it plummeted quite quickly. <laughs> right. I, I think he kind of flipped too much the yeah. opposite way of sure they want to follow a code of honor and not follow a corrupt king who's mm-hmm. willing to completely destroy a race, we presume, with a toxic poison or unholy weapon. Yeah. Which isn't it interesting that they called it unholy? Which does that remind you of someone else? Tamara. I don't think they want it to remind us of them. Oh, unholy magic. Yeah. <laughs> Tamara said magic doesn't belong in this world. It's unholy. Which was an odd thing to use for Tamara, but I don't think quite as odd for uh, for Killian to use because in this sort of England looking thing <laughs> or old style England looking thing, it was very common to say, you know, in in uh, in the name of our Lord and all of this stuff that mm-hmm. was a little bit more religiously based. Well, I think I think for Tamara or Tamara, I keep wanting to call her Tamara. I know she. Um, her mission was like stemmed out of like her want to complete this mission to destroy all magic was stemmed from some experience we never got to see, by the way, mm-hmm. that <laughs> like inspired this sort of religion or, or I don't know what you could call it, where it was just a mission to destroy magic. Right. It was almost like a religion to her. Like let's, get this unholy thing out of our world. Mm -hmm. And it could be that this corrupt king feels the same, but in favor of it in some religious, distorted religious sense. I don't know. The last thing I wanted to mention uh, from this, that they're back from Neverland now, is they renamed the ship from the Jewel of the Realm, which was actually in carved wood on the side of the ship. Jewel Realm. And they... (laughs) repainted it which i'm glad that they did mention bring the paint up instead of just painting the name i realized the ship was painted differently than the jolly roger was okay Mm -hmm. which is why it wasn't obvious that it was the same ship right away right yeah which at first i was thinking well maybe this wasn't the same ship because the jolly roger is made from the wood of an enchanted tree Mm -hmm. and this was something else but then they did say this will be the jolly roger yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that the wood of the enchant that they used wood from an enchanted tree because they had a a, a magic sail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the so, Pegasus sail. Yeah, here's the thought: whatever this place is, whether they call it London or they don't, could you, without the use of portals, journey from there to the enchanted forest? Is it the same world, different mm. kingdoms? I think so because Hook did say back in the episode the crocodile and other times when he he talked about their journeys he referred to traveling to different worlds and or different realms and many strange shores i think it is just sailing back and forth but maybe he was a little bit familiar with portals and how portals Mm -hmm. work (laughs) you know you're mentioning the name of the ship the jewel of the realm it just made me think it, they didn't at, at least they didn't have to change a whole lot of it because the jewel of the realm, the Jolly Roger, <laughs> you didn't have to take out the J or the R and they still have the D. So that worked out. <laughs> I just noticed that. 
Before we move on to Neverland in present day, I want to thank some people who have made this episode of Once Podcast possible by their generous donations. David Newland, Steve, Lisa Slack, and Callie Foster. All of them are subscribers. That is, they've signed up to automatically donate every single month of small or big amounts. It's up to them. And thank you so much, David, Steve, Lisa, and Callie, for your support of this episode of Once Podcast. We How really cool appreciate you it. all are. You are. Very cool. That's the answer to that question. Good form. <laughs> Good form, guys. And also, and ladies. we got a special sponsorship from Argentorian. I guess he loved how Jenny pronounced his name last episode mm-hmm. for his iTunes review or uh, Wonderland. <laughs> I'm getting the two podcasts confused. Sorry, now. I butchered that all. But <laughs> whole name stuff. <laughs> he wanted to pass along a message with his sponsorship. He said, upon watching this episode, I am officially a swan hook shipper and i am proud of it oh my oh poor neil so arjun thank you very much for that message too so david steve lisa callie and arjun thank you so much for your donations to make this episode possible if you listening right now would like to donate to a single episode or maybe an ongoing subscription of little amount big amount it's up to you it could be one time or ongoing then please Go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor, and we'd really appreciate it because it does cost to run the podcast, host the server, host the media files, all of the stuff, the it tools we have to use. It costs chocolate to keep us happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so thank you so much for your support. Again, that's oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And please vote for us in the podcast awards under the best produced category. And that's, you can learn how to do that over at oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. And I'll tell you more about that later on. But let's journey back to Neverland in the present day now and talk about Henry in Neverland. It starts out with this thing that he's challenged by this boy that I'm going to call the sliced boy. (laughs) And the first thing that stood out to me was what sliced boy said. If you can't take this, how are you going to handle what Pan has for you? Sounds like Pan's got something terrible. What could that be? Ripping his heart out, maybe? <laughs> Fights. Games. Uh, Most of Pan's games are pretty, like, brutal mm-hmm. and harmful. I don't like Pan's games. I-, I can't see Pan being the type to rip someone's heart out. Can he even make a sword out of a stick? That's my question. Or can only Henry do that? Well, who did it? Henry did it. Henry did it. So that's Henry used magic. Something like that. Henry used the island's magic. Well, now that you... Imagination. So you think think, um, Henry can wield the magic of the island? Do you think he can make things move like Pan can? He has the heart of the truest believer. And Pan told him to believe that it was a real sword. And it became one. I wonder... I wonder if Pan's grooming him to become the next Pan because Pan wants to leave and grow up. Maybe. Pan almost seemed a little bit surprised when the stick turned into a sword. You think so? Just a a little bit. Now, Pan often lifts his left eyebrow. (laughs) He does. Which he did here. But also just the rest of the look on his face. So I'm not judging it based on the eyebrow. (laughs) But the rest of the look on his face kind of looked like... He was at least a little bit surprised that Henry was actually able to do it. Or he was exhilarated. Yeah. Or he was 
he was surprised at what kind of sword Henry <laughs> was able to produce. Oh, that kind of sword. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that one, huh? You're that kind of person. <laughs> and it seemed like <laughs> Henry was that kind of person because oh he was getting into it. And he... By it, you mean the Lost Boy's cheek? Yeah. Yeah, just like suddenly he was enjoying um, (laughs) attacking that stick. And then I don't know what he was planning to do with that final slice. For real. But at first I thought he might have killed the boy. He was like, I'm sorry. I mean, I missed completely, but I'm sorry. I didn't mean to slice your cheek. It was supposed to be your neck, but I'm sorry. It was pretty violent. I think he just got carried away. I guess so. Mm -hmm. Yeah into the moment of it but lost boys don't have to apologize that's so dumb what does that even mean <laughs> well best thing about being a lost boy they're never parents apologize. parents tell people to apologize parents teach their kids to apologize mm-hmm. and there no parents live there so they don't have to apologize pan doesn't want to enforce any rules that parents would and the boys like. who are there want to be away from their parents rules yeah so if they had to apologize, or if that was encouraged, then they would still be following parents' rules. There is also rules. sorry. There is also a great connection with Lord of the Flies here. <laughs> and Opera Thirteen sent in this message. Just thought I'd comment on how the boar hunting in this episode reminded me of Lord of the Flies by William Golding. A book about a bunch of boys who are stranded on an island without any adults and try to form their own society, which rapidly falls apart as they begin fighting each other. Boar hunting was an integral part of the story, a task taken on by a group of boys who soon become a faction working against the protagonist. Names to watch out for among the Lost Boys, if the writers choose to make any more nods to The Lord of the Flies, are Ralph piggy <laughs> what boy wants to be named piggy oh my jack simon and roger and just the whole thing of hero boys that are just being violent and their their structure is collapsing of morality is also very tied in with lord of the flies which it was this originally a book and then it was adapted into a movie a couple times, I think, in the 50s and also more recently. Sounds pleasant. So let's cross things over just a little bit while we're still looking at Neverland from Henry's perspective. Sliced Boy comes back <laughs> and he's got this mirror and no heart. And he gives the mirror <laughs> to Henry. Henry can't see the no heart. And Henry is... I think he's not only not believing, I mean, at first we see that where he thinks it's a trick, but also, did you notice Emma Snow Regina said, I love you? What was Henry's response? I don't know. He threw the mirror down. No. He didn't hide the mirror. He didn't say, I love you back. He threw the mirror down and broke it because that's, that's an Operation Cobra move. Well, or I think keeping the mirror, because remember the walkie-talkies that he gave Emma, he kept that, and he carried it with them, even to the um, child-impaling playground. Maybe he didn't want Pan to find it. Then he dropped it on the ground right there. Well, it's broken. broken. It's useless now. 
I'm thinking because of his thing of, he was saying, I got to go, I got to go. And he was avoiding them in a sense. This is my perspective anyway. It seemed like he was avoiding them. No time for I love yous. Pan was coming back. Well, he could have (laughs) said I love you and just said I got to go once. Pan would have heard him. Yeah, He could have whispered I love you too. Hmm. So I think he's already turning. He's surrounded by boys. Mm-hmm. They, <laughs> boys don't normally say, I love you, in each other's presence. I mean, a whole lot. So I think somebody would have noticed if he said, I love you. And he was talking to a mirror, though. Someone wouldn't have noticed if a boy was holding a, comp- a makeup compact in his hand. Well, <laughs> Hold on, guys. Small. I got powder in my nose. It's my mom small. wants me to do this. And well, if nothing else, if he had said, I love you, we wouldn't have this question. Oh, no, is Henry turning? So whether, either way, they couldn't have him say it because they want us to wonder. What do you think about what he was drawing in the sand, though? It's a house. <laughs> he drew a little, like, first grade house. I looked at it longingly. I'm like, Henry, that does not look like any place that you've lived in your entire life. Did you think it was longingly? Yeah. Or was it maybe... Um, kind no. of like a, a saying goodbye to it or like acknowledging <laughs> his fate or just like I think it was, was just not... trying to remember what there was the I think there was some symbolism when sliced boy came over <laughs> and walked across the house yeah but Henry didn't up. do it no Henry yeah. he backed Henry across the house drawing yeah maybe Henry was just longing for any roof because it's been quite a while since he had a roof over his head I took it to mean that he was missing his family, hmm. and then this kind of symbolizes it, that he misses his family, he misses his normal life, living in a house, so he just wanted to draw a house and look at it. Hmm. <laughs> That's what I took it to mean. He well, this, this is good. We've got some legitimate disagreement here. And by legitimate, <laughs> I mean that my whole thing of Charming's going to die that was illegitimate that, as I said several times, I'm not really standing by that theory. And of course, that was proven wrong. But this time, this is something I think Henry's not believing this, not accepting it. He's He is turning to a lost boy. You guys think he's still holding on to hope? Well, I think he is. I think there's, he's both. <laughs> I think it will make a cool story if we do see him turn and then Emma, Regina, Snow, whoever have to try to win him back for like a minute it would be cool i think we're all anticipating it too much for it to be something that could be all that drawn out but that's fine i think he's certainly gonna have gonna bring some things up when they get to him because you know he's been facing his past (laughs) as well so he'll probably point fingers at each and every one of them and tell them what they did wrong and they'll have to make it right and they'll all hug and everything will be okay again (laughs) that's what i think is gonna happen or Henry and David will stay, and Henry will be the new pan, and David has to stay there, and Emma and Snow can just visit sometimes. Right. Yeah. That'll work out well. <laughs> well, not a whole lot worse than David dying. Yeah. Just coming up with an alternate ending so that we're not only predicting what's probably going to happen. <laughs> Well, I, I think it'll um, all work out fine. I no, I, I think it'll be much more of a struggle. 
as they try to save Henry and they're going to have to save Henry, you know, the whole hashtag for this new season, save Henry. Henry. They're going to have to do that in more ways than just his body, but also his soul. Maybe it will be a reflection of what we saw in the last episode when Rumpelstiltskin took Bay home, rescued him from Pan, but he didn't want to go. Maybe they'll just take Henry, and Henry doesn't want to go. Uh, yeah. No, I think they're going to get that chance, and they're going to do it the right way. Do it the right way this time? Yeah. yeah. You're probably right. But some kind of choice, <laughs> probably. Yeah. In our chat room, by the way, Matthew Paul is clarifying for us from the credits. And yeah, I saw this, but I like the nickname Sliced Boy better. But Sliced Boy does have a name. Oh, it's does he? Devin. Yeah. It was Devin. listed not in the credits on the show. But if you look up the credits online, that's his character listed, name. Yeah, listed as Devin. He sure did make Emma lose her cool fast. She was like <laughs> wringing his clothes, like I hate you. <laughs> she lost her cool. Yeah, she did. She was like Regina, rip his heart out. Well, if I that... do it, I'm going to get some other organs too. <laughs> Regina's finally useful. So that's nice. <laughs> Regina is embracing who she actually is, which she remember, is. that's what Emma said back when they first landed on yeah. Neverland. She said, we'll have to be who we are, a pirate, a, um, a villain, a villain, a, a, yeah. whatever, you know, Prince Charming and Snow White, whatever <laughs> else she said about them, a hero and uh, something more. So <laughs> let's then join the Neverland Five. And we're going to save the big discussion about the box. It's called the NL5. <laughs> NL5. I like that. <laughs> In this cave, Balefire's cave, as they're continuing to dig around, Emma discovered those markings. And you know what I did? You tried to figure out if it was Bell's handwriting. No. Not quite. You counted them. I counted them. Counted Each them. marking represents a week. There are seven hash marks on it six vertical marks and one horizontal or diagonal mark. So it's each one is representing a week. You don't think it represents a day? No. Well, I mean, each line <laughs> represents a day. Yeah, oh. but each grouping represents a week. Because oh, okay. instead of our typical, Seven. we typically do four uh-huh. vertical lines and then one horizontal to represent five. Bellfire was keeping track of weeks. So his markings were seven oh, cool. per group. And adding these all up, I found about 70 groupings. So it was about a year and a half of his time before he stopped counting a year and a half of living in that cave, holding on to hope. And then How do you it know seems he's like living he gave there? up. Oh, because his bed, that's where these markings were, his bed. And he had eating things and it seemed like he might make pasta sometimes. Well, oh, I, didn't, I mean, I'm sure Pan knew where he was. Maybe. Unless that was the echo caves. Mm, yeah. Could have been. It was hidden pretty well because of that secret door that Charming had to help hook, lift, or open. So inside of that cave also, uh, Emma could relate with this very much because of her foster background. And we're getting more and more of Emma's background. In second season, we almost heard nothing about her background of what it was like in foster care. Same thing with the first season. Yeah, sure. We saw Emma as a baby in first season in some foster home with a really weird Mr. Raskin dad. But (laughs) 
we haven't heard much about her journey. And here in the third season, we're discovering a lot more. And she's telling us like how hard it was to journey around and around and what kind of hope she was holding on to and that she was there too. She'd given up at different points. And I think that while Neverland is powered on belief, they're, I think they're pointing us to the way that they can escape Neverland is with not just imagination, but hope tying back to what once upon a time's core idea is hope. Hmm. So when they decide then to set this trap, (laughs) hook and charming had their brief little discussion, basically stay away from my daughter. (laughs) But again, coming back to the idea of hope hook said that without hope, and he did refer to hope that Henry gets closer and closer to becoming a lost boy. So if Henry is close because he's losing hope, we saw, according to those markings in the cave, that Bay lost hope. Do you think that Bay actually became a lost boy? I thought that was implied before. And not that he just hid the whole time away from them, but that he actually joined them at some point? Um, yeah. I was under the impression that he was forced to join them, and maybe after that he ran away. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It If he was forced to join them and then ran away, would he be keeping track of weeks inside a cave? Well, maybe Certainly. that was before. Maybe he was hiding for a while and then he gave up. Because it kind of seems like when you become a lost boy, you completely let go of the past and Bay's cave was full of drawings from his past, of things that he wanted to remember. Maybe his, um, maybe he stopped counting, but he didn't lose all hope. Maybe it just seemed, I don't know. Hmm. He made it off the island, so at some point he got his hope back. Or was sent off, or whatever the case there, because, yeah, as we learned last episode, Neil thought he escaped, but Pan says, well you're right where I want you. You're back here again. We still don't know if that means that Bay actually did escape or if Pan sent him away or let him go, anything like that. But in the last episode, we didn't discuss this in our podcast. We forgot to, but in our last episode, in the last episode of the show, Bay or Pan mentioned having taught something to Bay. So that's what's making me think that Bay did fully become a lost boy up until some point. When they caught Sliced Boy, he said, are you trying to start a war with Pan? Do you think that war has already started? Or do you think that they're not even seeing the half of what Pan can do as far as a war? I think it's definitely a war because Emma has a good point. The war started when he took Henry and that's the whole reason why they're there. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're fighting to get him back. And Pan, yeah, he has the upper hand right now. Well, that's because, you know, he owns Neverland pretty much. But, I mean, he's he's toying with him right now. Mm-hmm. So they have to learn how to fight with Pan. But, yeah, I do think it's definitely a war. I do wonder how big we're going to see it get. If we'll see Pan in like all of his magical fury 
attacking in some way. But, of course, what kind of chocolate bar did Regina offer? Is it an Astro Bar? Apollo. Apollo. There we go. <laughs> that was close. <laughs> yeah, the famous Apollo Bar, which I wonder if the boy even knew what chocolate was. He did huh. smell it. He did smell it. Why didn't he eat it? He's a boy. Kids well, love candy. He he didn't want to, to be lured back. He didn't want to go home. Emma almost sounds a little bit like Wendy did in the original Snow White. I mean, not Snow White, but uh, original Peter <laughs> Pan, because uh, Emma is saying stuff like wanting to take the boys back home and things like being a mother in or motherly something, take them back to their mothers. He said something, though, interesting about Henry. He said he's the most vicious lost boy. He was just egging them on. I think he was just trying to turn them against Henry but, or, make, or confuse them about Henry. He did one thing and said he was sorry a bunch of times. I don't think he's really the most vicious. Makes no sense. I think he was just exaggerating because he was trying to cause confusion because that's fun and that's what Peter does. Yeah. But at the same time... I mean, he they, had just gotten his cheek sliced. Yeah, that's true. So he is a bit biased. So, yeah, he would exaggerate and say, nobody else sliced my cheek today. So I think, that, you know, today, Henry's, he <laughs> takes the cake for being the most vicious today. But speaking of vicious, Regina ripping the boy's heart out and Emma and Snow, or Emma at least, letting him. I, I almost felt like crying seeing Emma hold Snow away like I, that. Yeah, I... I didn't know what to think about that scene. I thought it was a little weird. Well, they're finally making use of Regina's power. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, the way Emma, like, holds her back and, I don't know, it, that seemed a little bit, that felt very wrong. Well, but, And I didn't even think taking the heart was that, the way they do it, it's not that big a deal. Crushing it, yeah. And, but, I mean, the way they're doing it, they could give it back. It's not like, I don't know, I... I felt like they, I'm glad that Snow tries to do the right thing all the time. I didn't like that they sort of made it out to be that the wrong thing was the right thing this time. But they also sort of polarized it oddly. Like, I felt like the reactions were a little bit extreme. Uh, it's, It's something we've never seen a good person do, ripping out a heart. And I think it's kind of seen as the wrong thing to do because especially you're controlling the person. You're taking away their free will to do as they want and you are controlling them and forcing them to do your will. That's not a good thing to do. That's why I kind of don't like that they set it up to be, to make it look as though the wrong thing was the right thing. Like a necessary evil. Right. Well, I I don't think they set it up as it's the right thing, but more like, this is a bad thing, but this is our only choice. Eh, yeah, but I don't know. Is it really their only choice? And by the way, we would love your feedback on these things that we're talking about because this will be our conclusion. This episode will be our conclusion of discussing good form of Once Upon a Time. So if you want to respond to some of these things that we say, then please comment on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 117 
or join in the forums at onespodcast.com slash forums. And Snow referred to a line of not crossing a line between Emma and Regina. Do you think we're going to see Emma cross that line? No, I don't think we will. Uh, what do you think will pull Emma back? Because she's she's starting to get desperate to save Henry. Well, she did come here saying she would do anything. She would do whatever it takes. Yeah. So she is doing whatever it takes. She's using her resources. She's doing what needs to be done. Or getting someone else to do it for her. The dirty work for her. In the case of Regina ripping out the heart and controlling the boy then. At the same time that this is happening, Hook and David start their trek up to the mountaintop experience. I really hate how Charming just always assumes the worst about Hook. Yeah. He's always... I mean, he doesn't even know Hook, and he's he's saying stuff like, "You'll, you know, you're just a pirate, and you've never done anything good in your life." I mean, he doesn't know Hook, so it really it bums me to see Charming being that nasty to somebody he doesn't even know. It also infuriates me that Charming hasn't told at least his wife. I mean, he could have pulled her aside and said, "Look, this happened. I don't want her." To detract from this mission i need you to keep this quiet but i'm dying and i just i need your help i don't need you to to send me off to do so many chores because every moment counts here and i i want to be able to live to see henry saved so like i mean i wish i wish he would have handled that better but he didn't he didn't even you know let his wife in on the fact that he's dying and he's doing an incredible amount of lying in this episode which is horrible I am so disappointed. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little, but the way he gave Hook credit. Mm-hmm. All a lie. It's yeah, just it's lies. It's not in character. I just don't think it's all not. this lying is in character for him. Maybe it is. Maybe. And <laughs> but... lying, we haven't seen any part of of charming, you know, whether it be a shepherd or, or you know, any other part of his past that we've seen. He's never been a liar that we've seen before. He lived a lie. Well, he spent his life trying to get out of that lie. He, trying to, it was to escape it. Like weeks. He goes and pretends to be the prince. It never really... I don't know. I don't. I never got the feeling that he was there very long. Then he was supposed to marry Abigail. And he wasn't going to do that. Because that would be a lie. Yeah. And then pretty much after that, it was starting to get to the point where he was going to run away. They're really messing up his character. We don't know, though, during that time in the Enchanted Forest, whether David was regularly known as James and continued to go by James and that's what everyone thought he was, or whether he come, came clean and told everyone that he was actually David. Because remember when in the episode, uh, I can't remember the episode title, but when Tiny was in town as a giant and he was going after David, thinking mm-hmm. that David was James, that whole conversation with Grumpy about, well, what is your name really? Who? That whole thing. So Grumpy, the leader of the Seven Dwarves, the, the, uh, the older brother kind of personality to Snow, and David didn't even tell Grumpy, or Grumpy didn't even know about this yeah. whole 
switch mm-hmm. thing that happened. So it seemed like maybe David was continuing to live a lie. Yeah. And then look at Storybrooke David. I see it as yeah. a little different, but... Yeah, the people in the chat room are telling me right now that it's David coming back. David Nolan is coming back. Yeah. I think maybe um, he's he's dealing with that part of his past because David Nolan was... he Weak? He was really weak. He... Yeah, that's a great word for him. <laughs> well, that was his own word, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he was the worst version of da- of um, Charming that we know of. So, yeah, he could be reverting back to David Nolan. And Hook even called him Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I th- I think the thing of lying to his wife, I can see some of the honor in that, in that he wants to not detract them from the, their whole purpose of being there in Neverland is to save Henry. But at the same time, if you want your marriage to last, you put your partner first, really. You'd never lie to your partner. Never leave your partner behind. So, Jenny, if I ever got Dream Shade, I would tell you. Yay. Good <laughs> Even job. Even if we're in the process of trying to save our son from an evil That makes Peter you Pan. better than Prince Charming. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that recorded. <laughs> I'm going to use that. That's amazing. <laughs> Daniel, you left the toilet seat up, but Jenny, pull it out my uh, smartphone and play the clip. That makes you better than Prince Charming. <laughs> well, toilet seats are a problem in this house because we have separate toilets. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, uh, I think we could end the podcast there. I'm better than Prince Charming. I'm happy to. <laughs> no, okay, let's keep going. That's now amazing. that my ego is boosted. <laughs> so, do you think that the Lost Boys really don't want to leave? Neverland. Yeah. I think they don't. Do you think they're Mm -hmm. delusional? Do you think they're somehow poisoned in their mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a bit. Pan's good at that. Because, well, they went to Neverland in the first place because only certain boys who felt unloved heard the sound of the pipe in the last episode. And Mm -hmm. we learned that's how Pan took all of the boys then back to Neverland so he would have friends there. And so these are all boys that already felt unloved and as we heard from sliced boy he did not want to go back home so much they didn't even want chocolate yeah i mean who doesn't like chocolate of course once they get henry fully converted henry can conjure all the chocolate they want Mm -hmm. but there has to be something there so maybe they're actually eating pine cones instead of chocolate but they're made to believe that they're eating chocolate because you know that the stick was there and he turned it into a sword so what will he use to turn into the chocolate that's my question maybe what if we see flashback here season two when regina got her magic back and she was keeping Henry, there at home. One of the things that she did is she used magic to make one of those giant, totally delicious-looking cupcakes and offered it to Henry. Daniel's and, a sucker for that icing. And it, it has to be buttercream icing. But And Henry refused it because it was made by magic. Now, he's turned a stick into a sword with magic or belief or something like that. It's basically some form of magic. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we're going to see him turn something into a cupcake. <laughs> That'd be fun. And it'd be like full circle for him. Now he's embracing magic, embracing mm-hmm. the dark side. Yeah. It's intrigued him for a while. 
He's gone from trying to destroy magic now to being told he's meant to save magic. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that'll change him or if he'll be the same. You mean long term? Like after this story arc? No, I wonder. I wonder if, you know, he's if the moment he's if the moment Pan's been waiting for to use Henry to save magic, if in that moment Henry will remember, I hate magic. And act on that. Or will he do what Pan says? I think he's going to go the direction of doing what Pan says. Hmm. I think he'll be conflicted. I think he will be. Hmm. Because he's still Henry. His values are still Mm -hmm. in there. Somewhere. But he's suppressing them. Starting to. Yeah. But let's go back to talking about Herc and David. It looks almost from this episode and from all of that happens with them. I'm thinking with the whole thing that they say as they start to walk up the mountain of the stuff of you remind me of my brother. Well, you remind me of my brother, which they're basically saying they're like each other's brothers, (laughs) which I wonder if that's what we're going to see come of this is a sort of brotherly relationship where they'll be watching each other's back they'll have some kind of mutual respect they'll still fight a little bit sure bromance but no <laughs> i hate that word <laughs> but they'll, they'll have this respect kind of like people in the, the military have when they fight together they have this bond with each other that is like i will protect you i will give my life for you you're my brother. I mean, you know, they're going to be best look friends, at all the, you're saying. <laughs> Chums. Yeah. Yeah. Or like they will become brothers. Because... They will be rum buddies, though. Rum buddies. <laughs> because Charming doesn't like rum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That squint on his face. Everybody pretty much had a bad rejection. During, bad reaction to it. <laughs> during their, uh, their little journey slash big journey, while David was just hanging around somewhere, wink, wink. And Pan and Hook were talking. Pan said, come back and work for me, like the old days. Wonder we haven't seen that yet. How extensive that work was. He said, later we even did business together, but that sounds different than you were working for me. Mm-hmm. I wonder what we'll find out that Hook did for Pan. Well, this time at least, Pan was asking Hook to do his dirty work, and Hook seemed unfamiliar with that request. That's why he asked what kind of dirty work. I think if he had done dirty work for Pan before, then he would have been familiar with that and known more specifically what Pan was talking about when he said, I need you to do my dirty work. Hmm. But from this, we also got that, yeah, like you said, Jeremy, they've worked together, not just existed and had some deal, but worked together. What do you think that could have been? I don't know. I think we'll find out. I wonder. Collecting mermaid tears. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Um, (laughs) It could have been something with the Lost Boys. It could have been maybe even hunting for Bay, trying to find Bay, because Peter Pan wanted Hmm. Bay to become a Lost Boy. Interesting. Like while Bay was hiding on the island, that is. Oh, I see. Because Hook knew where Bay's hiding place was. True. Hmm. That is true. I like seeing Pan move instantly from one place to another. He can teleport. Like actually seeing it. Mm-hmm. And it's Rumpelstiltskin style, where there's no smoke. It's just, whoo. Yeah. Like it's not even like, a noise. It's more like a zip than a poof. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Not as much flourish as a poof, though. You know, he has a lot of similarities with Rumpelstiltskin. He does. And he keeps saying magic comes with a price. Well, I think this episode was the first time we heard him say that magic comes but with a price. But he said it a lot in this episode. Yeah. At least twice. Yeah. Right? Once in the past, once in the present. I believe so. Could be wrong there. But in this negotiation between Hook and Pan, Pan offered passage off of the island. So if this is part of the whole deal of, hey, you do my dirty work, you become my employee, and I'll let you off the island with Emma, you can take one person with you. Is Hook's dirty work off the island then? I don't know. I think he meant when the dirty work is finished. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. That's what I thought. So, like, he was basically asking Hook to be, like, a double agent, maybe kill Emma or kill Charm. Well, he did ask him to kill Charming. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, maybe not Emma, but do something to undermine what the Neverland Five are trying to do. Mm -hmm. Another thing I forgot to mention that Pan can do since you were talking about that fact that he can teleport is he can move the plants. Move the... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He can make the plants move. Like He's it's he controls Neverland. In tune with them. Yeah. Does <laughs> that make does that help you believe that it's true that he's in tune with every grain Maybe. of sand? Well, it could also just be he used magic. Not necessarily that he's in tune, but we have heard that whole thing of he's in tune before, and I think that is <laughs> true because he seemed to know that charming was coming up and was getting close. But there was noise too. Yeah, right near <laughs> the end. Yeah, but he does know where people are. We got this email in from Isabel saying, I wanted to address something that really stood out to me about the clifftop deal between Pan and Hook. I was amazed that Pan never offered to kill Rumpelstiltskin or even dangled the inevitable prospect of Rumpel's undoing in front of Hook. Very good point. Rumpel's death has always been the carrot and stick for Hook. Regina, Cora, and Greg and Tamara all used it to get him to do their bidding, even though Hook was has supposedly given up his revenge, does anyone really think he'd say no to the chance of seeing the crocodile skinned? (laughs) Pan has made a deal, Pan has made a big deal out of the fact that he always keeps his promises. I think that suggests that that he has no intention of killing Rumpelstiltskin and wants him alive and on the island. So he isn't prepared to put that promise on the table at all. Because of the implied history between them, Pan definitely has a personal stake in keeping the Dark One alive. Bonus prediction? I would be very surprised if he doesn't end up with a knife before the end of the arc. That's from Isabel. Thank you very much, Isabel, for that feedback. Yeah, I think a great connection there between um, between Pan and Rumpelstiltskin, which we didn't see Rumpelstiltskin. At all in this episode. Unless he's in the box. (laughs) Which we'll get to the box in a little bit. We're going to make you wait. Uh, We're going to talk about the box and carry this podcast to strange (laughs) places. All right, stop talking about it. (laughs) Do you think Hook wants to get back to somewhere? And if so, what is that? Like, does Hook... Hook seemed relieved that he didn't have nightshade on him, of course, because of the whole death factor and knowing <laughs> what uh, what the 
the water would do and require him to stay. Who would want to stay there? I would think he would want to get anywhere yeah. other yeah. than there. Yeah, he seems like a man that hates rules, doesn't want to be serving someone else. His wants to boat be doing is his, his home. Yeah. Yeah, true. So he, home is where the boat is. <laughs> and Dreamshade, I think, as much as they keep referring to this, I think they're not finished with Dreamshade. Um, I'm in a note that David can never leave Neverland now. I think that's pretty significant. True. What do you think is going to happen with that? I don't know, but I do have a solution. Yes. He has to fly. What? David <laughs> has yeah, to fly. Because, I mean, if he just went somewhere else and never touched the ground, he would live because that's what Liam did. He, he didn't. He lived and he didn't start dying until they set down. <laughs> so if, 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 um, if Charming could just perpetually fly wherever he went, he, he would live and he'd be safe. Yes. I don't know if that's exactly how it works. I'm joking. And if you're wrong, then funny. he could be flying over Storybrook and then splat. He just needs to become a fairy. Maybe that's the solution. He just needs to become a fairy. Mm. And fly everywhere. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Fairy that. David. Well, I, th- I think that Julia's idea of the tears of the mermaid and the water and some kind of combination there could be. Yeah, they're going to have to thing. fix it because Charming needs to leave. He can't stay there. It's true. His home is elsewhere. He could still die, but in a more honorable way. No, I know. can't die. I think there will be some way that he will be saved from the cost or maybe... Maybe since it's a price that has to be paid for magic, remember tying back to Ashley or uh, Cinderella and Prince Thomas. When Ashley was concerned about the cost of the magic, Thomas said he would pay that price and he did end up paying that price. What if the price of magic... I don't know what happened to him. (laughs) What if the price of magic can be willingly paid by someone else? Transferable. (laughs) Tell me not Regina, because that would oh. just be, we get to the end of the half season, and she's like, let me die as Regina again, go be with your family. <laughs> I tried to die once, I can do it again. And then they save her too. No. And she I'm... can try to die for them again next season. <laughs> Maybe Charming will strike a deal with Pan, and Pan will make it so that he can leave. Maybe. Or my thought was maybe hook will die for charming hmm. because mm-hmm. and we'll get more into the the secret that hook has but when neil comes back into the picture i wonder if hook will then feel that well he doesn't have anything to live for but he does have something to die for and that is to allow charming to be with his family again that'd be interesting that'd be very that would be good form i mean really <laughs> if he if he loves Emma or feel some level of love for her, not just attraction, but love because he has been more affectionate toward Emma this time, not just all the flirtsy and, you know, innuendo out the wazoo all the time. He's been trying to bond (laughs) with her. Yeah. (laughs) But because of that, what's the greatest sacrifice you can make for someone you love? Giving your own life. That's even a biblical principle. Greater love has no man, no one than this. 
that someone laid down their life for their friends. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what Hook will do is he will acknowledge that Emma should be with Neil because Emma and Neil are in love, but Hook is also having feelings toward Emma, but Hook will sacrifice himself because he loves Emma. I mean, I think that might be something that even the Swan, Captain Swan shippers might love to see. (laughs) I I mean, I know they'd love to see Emma and Hook ultimately together, but maybe the he dies for her because he loves her thing would be something that they would uh, be pleased with. Mm -hmm. But then when our Neverland 5, NL5, gets back together, (laughs) (laughs) Regina uh, referred to one big happy family just a little bit before this. But uh, Regina, though, does not enjoy being one big happy family after all. She doesn't even drink with them. Yeah, she says, I don't do rum. I think there's some reason for that. You think so? Like, I do. Any ideas? No. What? Okay. You know that that bottle of rum was from Pan. I wonder if there's anything in it. And what? Yeah. Hook was carrying it around, and Pan pulled it out. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got it. I thought it was, but funny. it was in Pan's hand at one point, so it could have slipped a Mickey in it or something. <laughs> I thought it was funny. They were all Someone drinking this rum. <laughs> They're all drinking Hook's rum to him. Yeah, it's like give me your flask full of your rum, so that we can toast you so and also drink your rum. <laughs> yeah, charming's. Uh, He's interesting. I was going to say, we'll just call that interesting form. I'm not sure if it was good or bad, but it was... Yeah, it was interesting. It was kind of, let's mooch off of you because you're the only one with rum. (laughs) And we'll toast you while we're mooching. And similar to mooching, charming and snow's smooching. (laughs) Yes, and Emma didn't like it. Yeah. That was great. Who likes to see their parents kissing? Regina's, I think, Regina gets the best line from this. (laughs) What I would give for another sleeping curse. (laughs) Oh, so funny. But the kiss between Emma and Hook. It was a one-time thing. That was a lot of one-time things going on there. That was more than just one kiss. Let's hope that Emma trying to imitate Hook's accent was a one-time thing. (laughs) And then there was the kiss... I, I thought the don't follow me thing was funny. Yeah. Like, like get away from me. I don't want to have feelings for you. I don't want to be all chummy with you. An attempt to hide that they kiss. I'm like, it's not like you guys were gone for a long time. It was just a couple minutes. I think you can catch up with the group together. <laughs> I think she just wanted to have distance between um, herself and May, uh, maybe because right. she didn't want to encourage any feelings. She might be having towards him because she's still getting over Neil, remember? Uh, So maybe she was just treating that kiss as, okay, this is payback. This is what you want. So here you go. That would make a lot more sense, actually. (laughs) I'm a girl. I know these things. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Jenny sheds some light on this. Emma's perspective that maybe she is kind of feeling some things for this guy. But she doesn't want to. Yes. Why? Because she feels... She, that they probably make her feel guilty because she just lost, you know, the only man she's ever loved. And that was <laughs> days ago, like three, four days. Maybe I, I don't think we've been here longer than a week. This is still probably just a few days yeah. since that. And the first day she hasn't had to remind Regina that she just lost Neil because of something Regina said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I think Regina's, you know, her mood's going to improve now that she's she feels useful. She's been pretty <laughs> aggravating up until yeah. now. Like, I got to do something my way, and it didn't almost get us all killed. What do you know about that? <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> well, we got some good feedback about the kiss, and this is from Timeless Captain Swan Shipper. Wow. I, I wonder what kind of shipper they are. Quite a name. <laughs> My thoughts on the Captain Swan kiss is that neither Killian nor Emma were expecting to feel anything towards one another. Yes, the attraction is there, but they felt real emotions for one another outside of attraction. Emma said she still loves Neil, and of course, Killian is still in love with Mila's ghost. <laughs> Even though Neil is not dead, <laughs> I think the writers are showing us that both Killian and Emma are moving on from their past and slowly letting things go. I don't think it's love yet between Captain Swan, but if written that way, it really could be. But who knows what Adam and Heavy ha- Adam and Eddie have <laughs> up their sleeves? Adam and Heavy. <laughs> and once a believer sent this, I think the kiss between Emma and Hook was just one of those things. Emma is still mourning Neil and was very thankful for Hook being selfless and saving Charming. I say she was caught up in the moment and realized what she did. I don't think that there was some island reason, like Jeremy thinks. I just think <laughs> it was, thank you, just taken too far hmm. from Once a Believer. So thank you, timeless Captain Swan Shipper and Once a Believer. There was a uh, Princess Bride reference in this episode. Yes. How was your wish? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Emma so- smiled like she took it that way, too. <laughs> So Hook's playing the part of Wesley. Well, Neil has seen movies. He's referred to Disney movies. <laughs> uh, Princess Bride was not a Disney movie, but uh, no. that doesn't mean they're not going to. And he was it's a pirate. A classic. Yeah. Yeah. Dread Pirate Roberts. Well, yeah. And in, for anyone who doesn't know, in Princess Bride, seriously, go watch Princess seriously, Bride. Seriously, people. If watch you it. haven't seen it, go watch it. Watch it a few times. You will find yourself quoting it. So, yeah. it so is a much. love story, but it's a love story that men can appreciate. Yeah, it's got sword fights and ROTSs. ROUSs. R- yeah, ROUSs. <laughs> it's got fire pits and it's and, got giants and boulders and all kinds of good stuff and poison. <laughs> yeah, wow. It's it's cool. And like some guy is threatened gets threatened to have all of his limbs removed and it's just And you will find yourself saying, "Hello. My name is Inigo Matoya. <laughs> yeah. You killed my father." But but from but anyway, if we haven't given away enough of the movie, <laughs> have fun storming in the castle. Yeah, we could go on and on having fun with that. But uh, one of the main things that happens in the movie near the beginning is that we learn that this boy loved this girl, and that every time he said "as you wish," he was actually basically saying "I love you." So that's where this "as you wish" reference comes in, and that was pointed out by several of our listeners too, like Karen was one of them who immediately thought of that and several others were uh, immediately catching that princess bride reference and i wonder if emma like jenny kind of said if emma maybe even caught that reference too of he just said as you wish and that's kind of a way of saying i love you (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know but it was amusing to me Mm -hmm. whether emma noticed or not the one-handed pirate with a drinking problem by the way, did you see note? Uh, did you notice that Hook scratched his nose with his hook in this episode? He did. He did. 
What, was Ouch. that scratching his that nose? Was. It was. It was much earlier. It was just after Pan had said, "Kill him with your hook." Yeah, Kill and him. and uh, Charming was walking away, and they were on their way to the to the dream shade and the spring and everything. And he put his hook up. But first, I was like, "Why is he contemplating killing him?" And his hook just went up, or it he was actually scratching his nose with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I. I did love how... Way to work with your props. <laughs> similar to that. I loved how just before this kiss, his kind of cute, like, pointing at his lips sort of thing. Like, what was... Well, thank you. He, well, oh, that, <laughs> it was after he's, like, touching his lips, like, I think she's oh. magical. <laughs> she's I just kissed by true pure, love? true love. Well, the last I person, felt rainbows on my mouth. The la- <laughs> wait, let, let me think about this. The last person wow. Emma kissed... Was Henry's forehead right? Um, and that broke a curse. I love that we're tracking this. <laughs> she hasn't really kissed many people. Kiss watch. <laughs> First, she kissed Graham, mm-hmm. and then she kissed Henry, and now she's kissing Hook. Yeah, and of course, we've seen Emma kiss Neil. But that in was the past. way in the past. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't get that kiss here. But why is this relevant? <laughs> well, just because, you know. The last time these lips have kissed anybody, it broke a curse. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's what she was thinking kind of in her mind when she said, you can't handle it. I think she was just trying to stall. <laughs> I think she really didn't want to kiss him because she didn't want to give in to her subtle feelings that were growing and blossoming and blooming and stuff. <laughs> so Pan finds Hook. And I think Pan the secret. never left Hook. Oh, well, yeah. It's creepy how he, you know, knows all this stuff and talks about kissing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's awkward. Well, He's a kid talking about kissing and he watched two adults kiss. That's awkward. It's like, That's I'm, awkward. No, I'm no adult or I'm no grown up, <laughs> but That's I'm awkward. pretty sure that you're a loser. Well... And I'm paraphrasing. He, he rubs that in a little bit by giving the secret to Hook. So if Hook keeps the secret, he's going to feel like a loser. If Hook tells the secret, he'll lose Emma. What do you think Hook is going to do? I Which think, kind of loser do you want to be? I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna do the honorable thing, and I think he's gonna tell her. I think he's gonna put it off for a really long time, carry it to far and strange places. <laughs> We're not talking about the box yet. <laughs> I didn't say anything about a box. I was talking about a secret. I think he's going to wait until, you know, the last moment possible to tell her because I think he's just going to, you know, relish the feelings that of a budding romance. But yeah, I think that's what he's going to do. Or what if it comes out later? Like Pan says, he knew Neil was alive and yet he still pursued you. And Pan then brings this out and turns Emma against Hook. As like maybe at some moment of I could see some crisis that. where Hook is trying to get Emma to trust him and over he'll say, Pan. And he'll say something like, I was going to tell you. And she'll be like, no, you weren't. When? After the <laughs> third or fourth kiss? After... <laughs> yeah. I could see this. Pan's going to make um, Hook look like a rascal who didn't share secrets <laughs> that needed to be shared. A rascal. A rascal. And... We would love your feedback on what do you think Hook is going to do with this kiss. 
or not the kiss, but the secret <laughs> after this kiss. <laughs> he's going to tell. He's going to kiss and tell. That's what he's going to do <laughs> with the kiss. Um, what do you think Neil was drugged with? They have, they, mm. it's just, they have drugs on the island? Well, what are drugs made from? Plants Herbs, of some plants. kind. Yeah. It was poppies. Poppies. Ugh. Well, yeah. Where did... Where did they just hit him? Where did um, Tinkerbell get the poppy oh, dust from when she you're right. drugged Regina? From the poppy field. So maybe it was poppies. Mm-hmm. Huh. By the way, Pan described who Neil is like four different ways. I can't remember what they all were. At least four. He called it... He said, Balefire, Neil, whatever he goes by these days. And then he said... I forget. He was like Henry's father, the man Emma loves, and there might have been another one. Hmm. It was kind of. I wasn't sure he was going to stop. I thought <laughs> he was going to start describing physical attributes. <laughs> the guy with the blue shirt. I guess it was a nice way of telling people who just joined the season all the things that Neil is. Hmm. In one sentence. One of my questions in our last. Uh, full discussion episode when we discussed the last episode of once upon a time was going to be what's this whole thing of you know what to do when they take neil away i think that was drugging him and yeah so i i didn't ask that question because i thought it's kind of obvious they're just taking him away as a prisoner now yeah they've drugged him they've hung him up in this box What, what else did they do to him i wonder if they did anything else to him probably not just drugged him yeah Okay, big question. What's in the box? Who or what is in the box? It's not Desmond. <laughs> what? Gosh, the other one. It's the other one. The other one. First question. Do you I'm think it's someone see. we've already met or someone new? I think I said all my ideas on I, Sunday. So. I have an idea. I think it's Belle. Because they have actual the whole. Bell? Yeah, actual Belle. <laughs> because, you know, they have the rest of the family there. Mm-hmm. Belle's sort of in the family because she's connected to the dark one. So they have the dark one. They have they have grandpa. No, they have great grandpa. They have grandpa <laughs> and grandma, and they have Emma, and they have Emma's new love interest, and they have Emma's old love interest, and, <laughs> just, and they have Henry's you know adopted mother. They have everybody. I mean, Belle would just be you know the whole package. Mm. Yeah. Interesting, and it could. Be like a bartering chip for Rumpelstiltskin. I mean, for panties against Rumpelstiltskin. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Or a bargaining chip against uh, even Neil because mm-hmm. they're tied up together. And yeah. maybe that's going to be something where Pan will say, you know, it's it, you surrender basically or Bell dies. And wouldn't your father be angry, even more angry with you? Mm. My sister also watches the show, and she had an idea that I thought was interesting. She thought it could be Tink. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe Pan figured out that she was helping or willing to help um, the people who are against him right now. So he strung her up in a box, and she has no way out. But Tinkerbell is the Neverland Five's way in. To Pan's camp. Right. So that's why he would have caught her. Well, then how are they going to get in? They're going to find some other way. Yeah. Because 
you know, she's in a box. She can't really help him. And maybe that's the point of her being in a box. Mm-hmm. And another idea is that it's Rumpel. Mm. Stiltskin. But, <laughs> I but saw you wince. <laughs> why, why put him in a box? Uh, he's the dark one. He's probably much more powerful. Maybe Pan. Um, maybe Pan was inspired by the ink trick, so he just inked him into the box, <laughs> and the box is coated in, in ink now, or something. I think that the way they've set this up and just left it hanging there. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> I think this is going to be someone very important. I would say that this might offend some people, but Bell and Tinker Bell aren't that important oh. to be kept a secret like that. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yes, but they kept a secret of a piece of paper that says, I know your bail fire. <laughs> they kept that secret for a really long time. We were all kind of like, what? Well, that was before we actually knew that Neil was Bellfire. I mean, officially. Yes, but it was supposed to be something amazing. Yeah. Like like a tiny unicorn riding a unicycle <laughs> or Gwyneth Paltrow's head. <laughs> and it was supposed to be epic, whatever it was in that box. And it was a piece of paper that said, I know you're Bellfire. Yeah. How lame. But look at things like the first time that we learned about Henry's father and the way they referenced him. And we theorized way back then. He's probably not just some average guy. He's probably someone very important. The way that they're kind of keeping a secret from us, whether he's still alive or we discover that Emma lied about him and and hiding some of that truth. We thought back then, this is probably someone important. Sure enough, it ended up being like the whole reason for the curse. I think that whoever is in this box is someone very important. And I can see, yeah, Rumpelstiltskin as being very important and but i don't see why he would need to be in the box and why they would hide that from us it could also be rufio (laughs) no rufio's probably dead it could be you know some other character we haven't met that's really dangerous and rufio is someone else's copyrighted character you know what the boxes reminded me of what um in the uh Peter, the version of Peter Pan called Hook, the one with um, Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman, there was a thing called the Boo Boo Box. <laughs> and it was the thing that... Boo Boo? The Boo Boo Box. I think it was just Boo Box. No, it was the Boo Boo Box. Okay. What? And, well, the, the chat room at the beginning of the show kind of helped me remember this, but it was something that pirates were punished in. And it's kind of... It's kind of... It would be appropriate because... Because this is kind of a, that is kind of a punishment from Pan, right? To be put into a box. And Mm. in Hook, you know, Hook was punishing pirates in his boo-boo box. So the roles are kind of switched because now it looks like Hook is the good guy and Pan is the bad guy. So it just makes sense for Pan to have a boo-boo box. That's all I'm saying. If they start dropping scorpions into that thing, (laughs) yeah, that would be a legit boo-boo box. To me. Or boo box. No, it's a boo-boo box. Boo box. It's a boo-boo box. You get boo-boos from the boo box. But I <laughs> I think that this could be a character we haven't met yet. 
but they're going to introduce us to this character because if they just open this box and we see, oh yeah, that's, that's so-and-so, or we start guessing, then we won't realize the significance of the character, but maybe they'll show us an episode where we get a backstory, someone's backstory, and this is a character very, very relevant to someone and their backstory. And we'll be introduced to that character, we'll learn about them, and then we'll discover they're the ones in the box. Mm -hmm. Do you know a character I'm thinking? What? We've heard him mentioned several times in the last few episodes. But I don't know how the mechanics of this would necessarily work, but I think I know who might be in that box. Who? Rumpelstiltskin's father. Oh. Hmm. Well, we have seen his doll. Yeah. The doll that he made. Hmm, that'd be interesting. And in the last couple episodes, when we've seen Pan and Rumpelstiltskin talking with each other, Pan keeps rubbing in the fact that Rumpelstiltskin's father left him. We've heard more references about Rumpelstiltskin's father. They're setting it up, I think, that that's who it's going to be. And we're going to get an episode that maybe will be like a particular episode of Lost, where they spend an entire episode with none of the regular characters showed us some other characters and then tied it together at the end of the episode. And you realize, whoa, this is awesome. Maybe they'll do something similar here where they will show us a character. He'll become a father. He'll be a coward. He'll have some kind of interaction with magic. He'll run away or he'll be kidnapped in some way. And we'll discover that he names his baby boy Rumpelstiltskin. (laughs) And then we see from there, it cuts to... They open the box and you see that's the same guy. It's Rumpelstiltskin's father right next to his grandson, Balefire. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if if we if part of that story is, you know, donating an organ, I'm I'm just going <laughs> to I'm going to leave. Okay. As long as nobody shaves their head or <laughs> comes out of a or wheelchair. Or ends up in a wheelchair. We received some oh. feedback, of course, some theories on this. I mean, our forum is full of theories of who could be in the box, but here's some Uh, emails that we received alina said what if the person in the box is an adult wendy what if she was behind the home office and working with peter pan but discovered that peter pan didn't want to destroy magic but to get henry perhaps she turned on peter pan and he decided to keep wendy wouldn't that be interesting to see neil like right next to wendy like the kid wendy Mm-hmm. Adult Neil meeting Kid Wendy. Yeah. How cool. We mentioned that a little bit in our initial reactions, too. Like, I would they recognize there. each other? I M- think certainly Neil would recognize her. Megan said, I wonder if the person in the cage next to Neil could be Tiger Lily. I definitely like to see her brought into the mix. Another possibility is that Pan knows about the heartless lost boy, as I like to call him, Slice Boy or Devin. And has locked him up to prevent further use. Eh, I don't think it would be the Lost Boy. But Tiger Lily, if she has some connection with the rest of the characters, could be cool to introduce her and then show that she's the one that's locked up. And once a believer agrees with me, Rumpel's (laughs) father. Who is being held captive next to Neil? I feel that the person who has the greatest impact on the story would implicate Pan and Rumpel as brothers... It being their father. Hmm. So I think it will be ongoing and juicy. Interesting. And we'll have some spoilers after the music, after we end the podcast, that maybe will 
put some details into this. I don't know because I don't actually listen to the spoilers. So I don't, I try to stay, stay spoiler free. And so I don't know, maybe there'll be something in there that's about what might be in that box or what character will get. What's in the box? I mentioned earlier the podcast awards and we would love your support in the podcast awards. Please go to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards where you can see how to support all of our podcasts in the podcast awards because we have more than just once podcast in the awards. We also have several podcasts in different categories. So what you could do is if you want the quick instructions here, go to podcastawards.com and vote for Beyond the To-Do List under both the People's Choice and the Business categories. Then go to Comedy and vote for the Ramen Noodle Clean Comedy. Then go to the Religion Inspiration category and vote for Are You Just Watching? Go to Technology and vote for the Audacity to Podcast. And go to Best Produced and vote for this Once Once Upon a Time podcast. And we'd really appreciate your support. If you'd like to see more about how you can do that, go to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. Big thanks to... Sabe Ordi from Australia for leaving a kind review for us in iTunes. We really appreciate that. It encourages us and it helps other people find the podcast as well. And if you'd like to leave a review in iTunes, please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. So this is the end of our discussion then for the episode Good Form. So if you want to respond to anything that we said, please comment on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 117. You can also get links and screenshots that we mentioned there in the show notes. And join our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. This Sunday will be the next episode of Once Upon a Time when we'll have our initial reactions live at 9.15 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can join us for the Eastern and Central Time viewing of the episode and hang out in our chat room at oncepodcast.com slash live and send us your feedback with the episode title in the subject line if you email it to feedback at oncepodcast.com or you can also call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or go to oncepodcast.com on your computer or ios device to send a voice message right from the website we've got some cool things coming up i think with once upon a time and unfortunately the winter hiatus is coming close to and this week in case you're watching once upon a time in wonderland there won't be an episode on october 31st or wasn't there wasn't an episode depending on when you're listening to us hmm. so it's a week off from that show as well as from wonderland podcast but we have a lot of fun over at wonderlandpodcast.com and we've got aaron jay as our co-host with that and please check that out as well if you are watching Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. We would love to hear from you, love to see you in part of the community, join us for the live shows. We've always got a great group of people hanging out in the chat room, doing the live shows, chatting on the forums, and much more. And we'd love to see you be a part of that too. You can find all of this connection information, subscription links, and everything if you're not already subscribed over at oncepodcast.com. And please follow us on Twitter at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny. And you can follow me at Twitter.com slash Jenny's Nook. And stick around for the spoilers after the music. Until next time, remember, if you can't take this, 
And how are you going to handle what Pan has for you? And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to the sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, Oncers. Hunter Hathaway here with your spoilers for Once Podcast. Season 3, Episode 6. Ariel is directed by Sarian Donnelly and written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. The ABC official press release states, Back in the fairy tale land that was, when Ariel saves Snow White from drowning in the ocean's depths, Snow returns the favor by helping her new friend get acquainted with Prince Eric, with whom she has fallen madly in love with. Meanwhile, Emma, Mary Margaret, David, and Hook attempt to save Neil, who is imprisoned in one of Pan's encampments, and Regina and Mr. Gold begrudgingly team up to find a way to take down Pan. Guest starring in this episode are Joanna Garcia Swisher as Ariel, Gil McKinney as Eric, Josh Callender as Lead Knight, Adam Lolicker as Black Knight, and Arpad Balog as Footman. Zap Tuit interviewed Ariel herself, and this is what she had to say. You will see me in Neverland. You'll see me all over the place, says Garcia Swisher. The wonderful thing about mermaids is that not many people know this, is that they can swim between realms, so I'm able to really help in the process of saving Henry. You can look forward to a little bit more Ariel. She doesn't just go away in the first episode. Also in this episode, Regina tries to kill Belle, or that's what the Canadian preview showed. I also found a promo clip of Ariel talking to the mystical creature Ursula and then tosses an object into the ocean and summons Ursula. Are you surprised that Regina's Ursula? I'm not. I do not have much more in the way of spoilers for you, but I can tell you that the cast has returned to Steveston this week for filming. A photo was posted of Belle in a red jacket, and it looks like Belle is in control of the town. I do have a new episode title to share with you. Episode 10 is titled The New Neverland. Well, that's all I have for you today. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>